De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host, Doug Bell. And today we're going to be talking about what product-led sales is and why it's becoming increasingly important. Joining us is Thomas Schiavone, who is the CEO and co-founder at Calixa, which is the product-led sales platform that turns product data into closed one. And today, Thomas and I are going to dig in and talk about, do you need product-led sales? Okay, here's my conversation with Thomas Schiavone, the CEO and co-founder at Calexa. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Cool topic. Sort of a new term. Thomas, tell us what product-led sales is and really what does it mean? Yeah, so product-led sales is this sort of new go-to-market motion where you're selling to existing users of your product to drive revenue. And so when I say existing users, you know, oftentimes these modern B2B companies have like large install base, large number of signups, but not all ready for a sales conversation. And you have so many, like, how do you know which ones to talk to? So product-led sales enables a sales organization to figure out which ones are the most engaged, which ones are ready for sales conversations. And so you're having reps talking to customers who have already actually found value. So it's a pretty different selling motion in the sense that like you still need all the sales skills, right? Of how you convince somebody to buy and, and make them trust you, but you're actually more a product advocate. And that's what they're really relying on you because they, they've already found the value. Now your goal as a salesperson is to accelerate that adoption and get them to close one as fast as possible. And are there differences in the product-led sales theory depending on say, whether you're a PLG or non-PLG? In other words, do you have a different approach to the PLG folks that brought the product, I'm sort of in this upgrade motion, or somebody who's a standard SaaS buyer who's using the product and also going through an upsell motion? I think you can break product-led sales into in a couple of things, but if, if fundamentally, if you don't have a product-led growth motion, a product-led sales is not for you. So like product-led sales really relies on you having a nearly frictionless product that end users can adopt, that gets better as more people within an organization buy it, that is cross-sellable into different parts of the organizations and the different teams. And that's really, I kind of think of it in some ways as like, the product is so good, it starts to infect the organization and starts to spread. And your job is, as a salesperson, it's like, how do I accelerate that? Like the product's gonna have its own way of getting through the organization. The user salesperson can one, accelerate the time to close, you can increase the sale. And, and the interesting thing hearing from sales leaders is they're putting a lot of priority on time to dollar one, not trying to get the most dollar out of the first sale because as you kind of point out, the real thing about the product-led sales motion is not the initial sales, there are multiple sales down the line. And that is the real value of this motion is sort of the classic land and expand. So for now, the domain of product-led growth, one of the issues I'm hearing you talk about, Thomas, is that sales organizations are, or salespeople individually are sometimes rushing to dollar one as opposed to understanding really 
the nuance of and how to approach really upselling to ARR. I think my point there on like time to dollar one to the first dollar actually is a good thing. They're trying to break off an initial use case, get somebody successful with something, and then close that initial deal because they understand with the, with the nature of these products, it's your first deal is not your biggest deal because you're then going to be selling in additional use cases to that person or to that team or additional teams in that organization. And so it's really about getting that foothold of passionate users is the most amazing thing you can do as a salesperson because they can help you sort of accelerate your sale into deeper parts of the organization. They are your advocates. And so it's just sort of the different nature of like, you are selling to people in some ways who've already kind of convinced they want to use your product. You're just helping them understand maybe the full value of the product or maybe there's certain requirements of how things need to get provisioned or security. But I really like this. I was talking to a VP of sales today and it's like, we focus on success, the success of the customer, because with success comes sales. And so I want the person to be super happy and successful with my product, because then I know I'm going to get the dollars on the other side. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So end of the day here, Tom, what we're talking about is one of the early indicators of success is time to first dollar, if you will, and being able to help organizations get to the time to first dollar. I'm really curious, set the table for us just in terms of what's happening now. So what's the reality for product-led sales, where is it succeeding? Where do you see there to be opportunities to really improve? Yeah, so I think when we look at the market, and I think that like sometimes I'm surprised that it's not more prevalent, but I come from a background from an early product-led sales organization, Twilio, joined there in 2010, and turned out the people we were selling to were the people who were signing up for a product, and then we're figuring out the use cases with them. They were coming to us, but we couldn't talk to everyone because we had tens of thousands of signups and hundreds of thousands of signups. So we got really good about using product data to figure out who are the customers we should be talking to, going deep with, and nailing that first initial use case in victory, then we'd later sell into it. So I think the reality is this is a new selling motion for most people. They're more used to the traditional top-down sales process. It's like either self-serve, where you don't talk to them at all, or you have uh, top-down, where you're selling into a large organization and it's a top-down buy. This new product-led sales, sometimes people are now referring to it as sales assist, is you're working with opportunities that are warm and already interested. And they could frankly buy your product without you. But your job as a sales product person is to, one, close that faster. And two, if you're like a, a well-set-up product-led sales organization, you're actually making ensuring that your sales team has something that is off the standard pricing plan that is a specific product they could be selling. Oftentimes, people refer to it as probably like their enterprise plan, but that's often what people are doing. So right now, the scenario is there's three things I'm hearing from you. The first is there's a pretty large data sets and a PLG led motion. You've got a lot of quote unquote customers that have signed up, right? And the ability to parse through that data and recognize where you should be selling and maybe where you should be laying back. It's a little bit harder to define. It's not built into the motion as much as it should be. You also have the scenario where quite often you've got companies reaching out to you. That's a low hanging fruit. And the other is you have this top down motion. That top down motion typically is Look, it's a big company. P&G, Apple is using the product. How do we infiltrate the organization and sell big after maybe a smaller sales motion coming in? And so it feels like the problem that you're looking to solve ultimately here is how do we do a better job with product data combined? I'm going to guess here, Thomas, the certain amount of data existing within, say, ancillary systems like CRM and marketing analytics data, bringing that together in a way that allows organizations to understand where to go. And then I guess the question for you is, how does that help kind of build in a better motion with the sales organization? Yeah, so 
the pulling the data all together into one place is the critical thing. And product data itself is very different than traditional CRMs are set up to surface because you care about time series data, the volume data. Like, how do you really understand what a customer is up to? So I think what we give to sales and marketing teams and any product like GTM is that fusion of data across everything. So that's thing one. Thing two, it's the efficient workflows across it because how do you effectively prioritize across that large set of users, number one, and two, how do you enable efficient action? So like we're helping you prospect in your own base rather than prospecting and trying to go find people on LinkedIn or this side, you're prospecting within your own account base. So that's really powerful. And then lastly, what we're doing is because we have all that data together in one place, we're letting you sort of automate across it. So fundamentally, because of the scale and the volume of things, not everything can be human touch. And so some people you might actually don't want to talk to because they're a Gmail account and they're, maybe you find out they're from like a company with fewer than 50 employees and you're like, keep them self-serve. But maybe that same Gmail account could become from a Fortune 500 company and then you actually want to get them in front of a rep. And so it's really how do you have that intelligence to route people to different outcomes? That's really the power of pulling all the data together, understanding usage as well as who they are, who they are as a user and who they are as a company and fusing that together and running a motion across that. Okay, we're going to dig in a little bit more into the data sets and how important those data sets are. We're going to talk a bit about the technology, the machine learning, basically capabilities that's necessary to really harness that. So I want to wait to talk about that because you've got the worm dangling in front of me on the data side. I'm going to wait. But I also want to understand a little bit more about the current state. I have to say from the outside looking in, I'm going to speak for a lot of B2B SaaS folks. We look at PLG organizations with a certain amount of envy because that those organizations tend to be so much more efficient. They've built marketing, sales, support, product thinking into their product, right? So they're more efficient over time. The sales motions, the marketing motions, this is our outside looking in perspective, Thomas, says that, you know what? It's just a matter of them upgrading. They upgrade themselves. That's what happens. It's self-upgrading. It's a self-perpetuating, beautiful, Jesus of all go-to-market models that's out there. But it's not quite so straightforward. And we think of companies like Twilio. We think of companies like Atlassian, like we think of organizations that have been really successful. My sense overall, though, is there's the great unwashed masses of PLG organizations that really have not optimized and perfected that. And that's really sounds like where you're looking to jump in and help. I honestly think companies of all scale can benefit from this. So I think the, the Asanas and Twilio's and ClickUp's and all these great companies who have like really a lots of growth, but they're all our prospects as well. Like many of these companies have been successful because they built this tooling internally. So my background, why I'm building this is because we actually had to build this at Twilio to make the team effective. But our belief is no company should have to build this. So that's one of the reasons why we exist. To your point, like sometimes like products can mask how good your GTM teams are doing, but at some point of scale, the product can no longer mask it. And you need a great selling team and a good marketing team to really, truly really up-level it. So I don't think these people, I don't think these companies are just, it's just working magically. I think what's happening is these best-in-class companies are building the systems and tooling internally to make it happen. You don't want to be putting your resources into that. But I think also to your point is like, you can't take a company that is not PLG and turn it into PLZ. That's really hard. I think you can try. I think you have to be really thoughtful about it. But I think it can be really naive to say like, well, we're, you know, we sell top down, but we're going to have a, we're going to have a PLG motion. You can't do that. And in many ways, it's because I like to think when organizations, as they are built, they get very good at 
how they do everything, everything they build, they sell, they, it's optimized for who they're going after. So it can be really hard if you've, you know, 10 years down the line, seven years down the line, everything's pushing in one direction. How do you take something non-PLG and make it PLG? You can't. However, what we're seeing today is the default state of B2B companies that are being built today is people attempt to make it product-led from the get-go. Do all succeed? No. But it's the default belief that this is the better way to build and sell your product. Yeah, I feel like PLG is really taking over for the foreseeable future. So backwards compatibility is not going to happen. If anybody's tried it, I have raise your hands. It's really hard to institute in a more traditional product organization. It's tough to do, right? The other thing I think we've got to acknowledge here as well is that the reverse is also true for PLG organizations. The thing that B2B SaaS organizations that are non-PLG tend to be really good at is the motions of sales and marketing, right? The ability to, say, use an account-based motion to get into a larger account, to identify contacts with an account, build the buying group, sell to the buying group. Those are things that we sort of have to be good at from the very beginning. And what I'm hearing from you as well is the it's quite often the PLG folks don't have that, right? And so they've got to learn how to do that. There is a point where they're looking to scale and they're looking to increase ACV per transaction. And that's the wall. And it feels like that's also the place that you guys are really coming in and providing help. Yeah, it's definitely a point of maturation. I think, I mean, having been inside of product-led companies, sometimes you can get a little like into yourselves and like how good it is that people are just signing up and using it. But the reality is sales and marketing are, are super valuable and you have to, you just have to layer them in at the right time. And so it's really as a B2B startup, you think about the first true sales motion you end up doing, you almost do it. I don't want to say accidentally, but it just happens as a function. People are coming in and trying to buy your product. And you naturally actually build out a sales assist motion because people are trying to use your product. You're not self-serving everyone. You're finding those bigger accounts and you're helping them be successful. But yeah, I think it's very critical to layer on motions and get successful at one at a time. And so if you're a product-led company, you're going to layer on that sales assist motion first and you're going to do it naturally but inefficiently at start. And that's where I think our product can help you is like, how do we make you efficiently run a sales assist motion on top of your product? Then as you get that under your feet, later as a company evolves, you're going to be layering in that top-down motion. It can be very hard for a smaller organization to try to try to do both motions at once. And you really have to nail one at a, one at a time. And I think that's a really, really key point. But also to your point, like it's a maturation of an organization to get good at selling. It is false. Products don't sell themselves. I think for larger and larger dollar deals, especially people want to buy from humans, people need things from humans, and humans can make sure that that customer, that company is successful with your product. And I think that can often be lost in PLG, that it's so easy to buy that like you can think you don't need sales. And I think that that's false. And you're describing, and I have to say, this feels sort of like the classic thing we do in our world, in our B2B SaaS world, which is we replace self-builds. We do a really good job of replacing all these self-builds. So I'm curious about what's the current state of the self-build that you guys are looking to sort of flesh out? You mentioned that the idea behind the company really started with Twilio when you were building out the solution. What does this look like now? Is this uh, cotton balls, duct tape, and Excel? Like, what does it look like currently? Yeah, so... It's funny, and I think you talk to any successful, you know, product-led company, you'll hear the same story of like, I've talked to people who've worked at Box or Asana, like everyone said, like, yeah, we built something like this. And back in the day, you'd like, it actually really be building it, like with like having your engineering teams stitch things together. 
Now it's more like, hey, can we stitch together BI tools and yeah, some spreadsheets, your CRM and kind of kind of like glue it together. So you have like more point solutions that you kind of kind of try to stitch together or you sort of, you know, you build it out in Salesforce, but it's like kind of, you know, icky and not the most efficient thing for the self-storage motion. I love Salesforce. Salesforce is great. Salesforce is an investor in us. But the reality is for these these product-led motions, like people want it, want something different and purpose-built. And so I think what we replace is we want to build that sort of whole efficient workflow for reps to really consolidate all the insights and action into one place. And I think we are just really purpose-built for that ability to understand who your customers are, what's the right play to do, drive right into action. Because you for these sales assist plays, they're lower ACV, so you want higher velocity. And so that's what we're trying to ensure by maximizing efficiency of the rep, you can have a lower ACV deals and still have them be sales touched. An organization that needs a sales assist looks like Ellipsis. What does that look like? Oh, I mean, I see the two key flavors is like business productivity applications or developer platforms. So business productivity, like a ClickUp, like an Asana, right? These are really powerful tools where teams can get a initial use case and be successful. But there's so much these products can do that you need somebody on the other side being less a salesperson, be more a product specialist. And I think that's like an interesting thing, how, how sales evolves. The salespeople do well with sales assist are have domain discipline in a product and can map the customer need to the product capabilities and really sort of, you know, make them successful. Same sort of thing if you look at developer platforms, similar sort of notion, like developers can get going and be super successful on their own because developer products, well, great that you should have great all sorts of stuff. But at the end of the day, you end up trying to do something a little weird, a little different. The platform supports it, but you're running to some issues. That's where sort of your, you know, your sales engineers can really help out and accelerate that answer the questions, identify additional use cases, but they can really help out. And so when we're talking about a developer platform, we're talking about something like a Netlify or a railway where people can build things, be very successful, but you're going to want to sort of help them out and ensure success, right? Because what you don't want them to do is, you know, stub their toe as they're trying to figure something out. And it's because they didn't realize or it was not obvious how a certain certain thing worked, but it was supported by the platform. And for most products today, there are like seven options for everything you want to do. So if you they stub your toe on you, they could easily go somewhere else. And so your, your job is to, how do you sort of, increase certainty of that revenue and then sticking on you and using your platform. So we're going to dig into the data and the machine learning piece tomorrow. Before we get there, and I, I want to wrap up this part of our conversation with just a bit of an understanding around how organizations are thinking about sales assist now. So it feels like very much you're dealing with a problem of people recognizing they wish they could retroactively have dealt with this early on. Is this something that's actually taken hold? In other words, are folks building in this idea of sales assist into their platforms, into their approach when they're getting started? Are you finding a lot of companies ignoring this still? You know, if you talked to me two years ago, I would have been like, yeah, we're talking about this this thing, but it's still early. If you talked to me last year, I would have said, hey, people are sort of waking up to it, but I don't know if they're there yet. Now going into 2023, large companies are identifying this as initiatives. So these are public companies that we're talking to that are saying, hey, I need to adjust what I'm doing today and move to this new motion. Secondarily, talking to startups who don't have anything in place, who are just starting to scale, 
and they say, hey, I need this. And a great example is uh, one of our customers is Jasper, that AI platform where you can create content, written and art. It's like super freaking cool. And they've gone through insane growth over the last eight. And it's pretty cool that, you know, as they were, that, that growth was, was shooting off to the moon, they're saying, hey, I need something like this in place. And they had the awareness to say, like, I need a platform. And so they were bolting it in right as they were taking off, which is pretty freaking cool. So I think you'll see that more and more is as people get familiar with it, they'll know to bring it in. And it'll be just be the more the default for these B2B companies, bringing it in as right as sales starts to really take off, or even slightly before getting ahead of the ramp. And then, yeah, there'll be some companies who didn't have the opportunity to because, hey, it's a relatively new concept, but we can come in, help them out and, and make them more efficient. So it's really started to take off. It's really pretty exciting. I think it's now I'm chalking up as product-led sales is aspirational for most. And people are now starting like, I want to go make that happen. Whereas before they would be like, what is even this concept? Now people aspire to it, which is great. And so now we're, we're helping bring it to people who are ready to put it into action. So it's pretty exciting. I think you sort of represent the third generation of product-led growth. And I feel like it started with Box way back in mid-2000s. And they sort of created this PLG concept, not a category, but a concept. And it feels like each generation that kind of spin out of those type of organizations sort of gets better and better thinking of things holistically. Well, Thomas, I really appreciate your time today. And thanks for educating us on product-led sales. Thanks so much. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Thomas Schiavone, CEO and co-founder at Calixa for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Thomas and I are going to talk about the role of data and machine learning in product-led sales. If you can't wait till our next episode, we'd like to learn more about Thomas. You can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can always contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Thomas Schiavone, or visit his company website at Calixa.io. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we'll publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. <laughs>